One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories, a podcast created for women to share their experiences with pregnancy and birth. My name is Cora Gernon and I've created this space to enable women to share their experiences from start to finish without feeling shy about the detail. If you would like to support the podcast, you can do so through Patreon. I have attached the link on the website. So if you just visit the website, irelandsbirthstories.ie, you can then find the Patreon link there. Thank you to those that have. So this episode is the first of many conversations to come under the name Between Us. So I decided to create Between Us to give us a space to have a conversation openly with others who have experienced similar. Many of us have experienced early pregnancy loss is what we're going to just discuss today. Um, Different interventions and births, sickness and pregnancy loads of other things that our friends wouldn't can't relate to or our family can't relate to so it's nice to speak to someone else who has experienced the same so with that I want to just introduce this week's episode and it's early pregnancy loss as I mentioned before but we go into a lot of detail and the questions were kind of were led by you the listener so you wanted to know about the physical side of early pregnancy loss you wanted that discussed and heard you wanted to know about the emotional side you know what emotional toll it takes on you and your partner and how you can support a family member or a friend who has suffered or is suffering loss. So I'd just like to thank Claire, Shauna, Fidelma, Jessica and Kira for sharing their experiences with us. So I hope you get something from this episode. I know from the messages I've received already that a lot of you have. So thank you again for contacting me and letting me know that this conversation has helped you. And I look forward to bringing you many conversations like it in the future. <laughs> okay. You're all right. Okay, so you're all very welcome. And I'm very grateful that you're sharing your time with me. Um, and especially to discuss such a topic that we're about to discuss. It's not easy to to revisit the emotions that we're probably going to tonight. So thank you so much. Um, and just to just kind of get the ball rolling, I would love to hear from each of you about you, who you are, and maybe we'll just touch on your experiences just so we all know where we're coming from. So Shauna, will we we start with you? We just hear a little bit about you and your family and your experience with miscarriage. Sure. Thanks, Cora. Um, so my name is Shauna. I'm 35 years of age. Um, I am married and living in France with my husband and my little boy. So I have one little boy, Hugo. He's two, two and two months going on. 30. Um, but uh, so it's just the three of us over here. Um, we were very fortunate 
that we got pregnant with Ugo first shot, literally first shot. Um, I don't think we realized how lucky we were. I don't think we had any idea. Um, I was actually diagnosed with polycystic ovaries in my 20s. Um, and we had been kind of forewarned that women with PCOS can be a little bit challenged when it comes to conceiving. Um, and I think when it happened for us on the first shot, it really lured us into a false sense of security that it would just be that way for us. You know, I had this real kind of smug, you know, Jesus, I am one fertile woman, you know, no bother for me. So I just assumed, you know, it would follow suit. So while we weren't actively trying to get pregnant on the second and the third time, um, so we did. We were kind of being, I found out I was pregnant. We were enjoying ourselves without being too cautious. And very, we got very, pregnant very on both occasions very and quickly. It was, you hear that it happens 20% of pregnancies end in a miscarriage. But I think like cancer or divorce or any other, you know, common statistic, it's terrible but it happens to somebody else. And it doesn't really mean a great deal until it not, you know, until it knocks your doorstep. And it, it was just, it was just the hardest thing I've ever been through in my life. Um, the second miscarriage, and this brings its own set of complications, was much easier for me to process. I almost, I almost went through the motions as if it was happening to someone else. Um, I lost it at six and a half weeks. I'd seen the little sack and everything in the scan, but it just didn't dent me the same as the first one and with that comes its own guilt because I'm like oh god I don't want that to be a reflection I wouldn't have loved the second one any less than I would have loved the other you know so it brought with it its own questions and stuff but yeah two miscarriages in three and a half months so it was a it was a lot to go through thank you Claire do you want to share your experience yeah sure um so yeah my name's Claire I live in the west of Ireland in Galway and I'm 30 39 now so I was 30 38 when the uh maybe 37 when the miscarriage happened so actually it was yeah two years ago I was yeah I was pregnant for the first time and uh, because I know because all the memories are coming up on snapchat or different ones of events where I knew I wasn't drinking so everything's like oh yeah I was pregnant then um I was um yeah we were again it was kind of our our pretty much our first first time trying and yeah absolutely delighted to be expecting and then we got to it was actually it was a miss miscarriage so it was at um it I think the pregnancy ended around nine nine weeks nine weeks two days but it was uh, 13 weeks I think before we found out so we had just told all my husband's family it was a bank holiday weekend and I was due to have my hospital scan the following week and but I suppose because I kind of thought I was into the second trimester because I started to feel better I thought that's me coming out of the first trimester and out of the morning sickness and the severe tiredness but in hindsight it was the hormone levels you know we're I think we're just dropping off mm. um so yeah in itself it was it was um yeah it was kind of well obviously it was a, a horrible um kind of thing to go through but it was uh yeah, I just didn't know kind of why, why this bleeding was happening. And um, then I had a, you know, you have the hospital scan. Sorry, I don't know how much detail to go into right now. Maybe you just want a brief overview, Cora. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll go into more detail once we've had a little introduction. Because I actually, yeah, we've, we've chatted about your story before, so I think it's important that we share it as well. Um, Fidelma, do you want to tell me a little bit about yourself and your experience? 
Hi, um, I'm Fidama. I'm uh, living in Dublin, uh, 39 years old. I have three kids. Um, they're nearly three, nearly six and nearly eight. And we have a birthday season in my house. It's in April and May, so they're all about to turn. And um, so I would have had my miscarriages further back now than, than uh, the rest of you ladies, but it was my second pregnancy. So the first one had been completely problem free. No, uh, no issues at all. A healthy baby. And um, a year later, we kind of felt like we were ready to, to try again because he was also one of those babies that sleeps and kind of chills out. So we thought, yeah, this is great. Why not do this again? And yeah, I got pregnant. Um, and that all seemed fine and lost it then. It was between week eight and nine. And I um I, I couldn't, yeah, it was really hard to kind of comprehend. I started some spotting and I thought, oh, well, you know, that happens sometimes and it'll be fine. But around the hospital and they said, well, you should come in, you know, and uh, then it just, it was really hard to kind of comprehend that this was happening to me. I think like, like Shauna said, this, this is something that happens to other people. Um, and um, kind of the, the emotional side of it, like I had no sense. I went straight back to work while waiting to miscarry um and worked for a few days before it actually happened you know just just things like that whereas you know I would tell anybody who who would say it to me now I'd say like just take the time off like it doesn't matter but I was all stressed about you know everything and what to say and what to do and and kind of avoiding processing it I think kind of hoping for some kind of miracle maybe to happen um yeah it was really hard and then the other thing I found afterwards was um I needed to be pregnant straight away again afterwards that was the only way that I could cope emotionally with with this was to get pregnant now now no waiting for another cycle and making sure your body's okay just do it now 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 so yeah for me that was that was it um and luckily we did get pregnant quickly and we had our, our you know our second baby um healthy and we've had a, a third baby since but even like it's seven years ago and it still it still brings up very strong emotions when you think about it I think a lot of us can relate to that and relate to wanting to get pregnant immediately. Yeah. Even against the doctor's advice, who tells us to wait. And it's very hard to wait. Kira, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, so um, I'm Kira. I'm 42 and I live in Kilkenny. Um, we have a three year old daughter. She's just turned three last month. And I've had um, two miscarriages in the last while. And um, we started trying again for our second baby when she was about 18 months. And on her, it was relative, relatively easy. We got pregnant within three months of starting to try. So like Shauna kind of thought, you know, it'll be easy again. But it took us about six months to get pregnant. And we went for a couple of early scans because I, I wanted the reassurance of seeing that heartbeat because um, we were in the middle of COVID and I was going back to work. And I, before I went back to work, I wanted to know everything was fine. But we got the opposite. We got, oh, there's nothing, you know, baby looks quite small. Come back in a week and we'll see. So we went back in a week or two and it was she gave us she said, leave it for two weeks just to give it a chance. You know, so went back in two weeks and same thing. Um, the baby, there was a slight growth, but there was still no heartbeat. And I knew then, you know, there has to be a heartbeat by now because I'd had very early scans on my daughter and seen a heartbeat really early. So um she said, look, give it one more week. But within that week, I started to bleed. I was at home on the Monday and started to bleed. I was 10 weeks now by this stage. So again, I missed miscarriage. So I was 10 weeks at this stage and I bled at home for the week. 
well till Friday from Monday to Friday and um, I was due my scan on the Friday so I went to that she sent me to the hospital I stayed in hospital overnight I had the misoprostol or whatever they give you to um, to speed things up but that didn't fully work and the next day I had a DNC so that miscarriage took a full week I went from 10 weeks to 11 weeks pregnant um, one thing I'm going to say this now because one thing that shocked me and nobody told me could happen was a few days later in the shower, I had milk in my breasts and I was like, you know, the baby wasn't even three months. Like, how is this possible? And nobody, nobody had warned me. And that was really shocking to me. So I mentioned that now in case I don't later. Yeah. So um, like Fidelma, I wanted to be pregnant straight away. But I came across a book called It Starts With The Egg. Within a few days of that miscarriage, it's by Rebecca Fett. And that changed everything. Um, I highly recommend that book to anyone who's been through miscarriage or anyone just struggling to get pregnant. So for three months, we implemented her recommendations in the book. She recommends lots of lifestyle changes, removing toxins from your from your house and some supplements to boost egg quality, basically, and also gives you some tips on sperm quality as well. So we for three months, we put those her recommendations into effect. And then on our second try, we got pregnant again. And on that pregnancy, um, I got my pregnancy test. I was three weeks pregnant to the day when I got my positive pregnancy test. I wasn't even four weeks pregnant and I was violently thrown up in the bathroom and it felt very different. Whereas on the previous pregnancy, I did have pregnancy symptoms, but they were mild and they just, it didn't feel right. Even obviously we'd had the scans and I knew something wasn't right, but it's, I didn't really have that hope. I was like, this isn't going to happen. But on that pregnancy, it started off so strong. But after like four weeks I was finally ill one morning after breakfast and then nothing it all dropped off and I went to confirm the pregnancy when I was five weeks but I knew already I even said it to my GP I said I don't think you know I just feel like something's not right and she was like here you got your pregnancy test at three weeks it's a really positive sign that this is a strong pregnancy you know don't lose faith but I was on New Year's Day got up on New Year's morning and wiped and had blood and initially thought maybe it's a UTI whatever but very very quickly that miscarriage progressed and within 48 hours I had miscarried at home confirmed by a scan a few days later in hospital so very different to my first miscarriage in hospital um, and it, when I was in hospital I just wanted to be at home but when I was at home I found it really difficult because as you all know having a miscarriage physically is quite brutal and my daughter goes everywhere I go and I tried to stay upstairs but obviously I had to come down to eat and if I went to the loo she was following me in and she was asking questions and I just didn't have the answers for a three-year-old you know and I just you know that was hard so that's kind of my story so we're now a few months down the line we're trying again and so far no positive tests but all fingers and toes crossed so we'll see thank you Kira. no problem Jessica Hi. Hi. <laughs> so um, I'm Jessica. I am just gone 33. I have three children, three girls. And my story is a little bit different as well because mine happened 13 years ago. So I was only 19 when I found out I was pregnant. Not, not with my husband. This is a long time ago. So I totally unplanned. Um, shock to the system. Whole world turned upside down. He could go into the emotional side of it, the history of it forever, but um, trying to keep it short and sweet. So kind of suppose we were just getting our heads around it and um, it was coming to my 20th birthday and 
I was 14 weeks and we just kind of told everybody, uh, which was really hard to do at that young age. And, you know, in college and everything was just really, it was a huge, huge deal. And it being unplanned, there was, it was like, it was very much wanted at the same time, but it just completely blew, blew me away. Like I didn't know what, where my life was going then. But anyway, so then, um, yeah, 14 weeks, I started to get brown spotting. And that lasted a few days and then called the GP. They said, see how it goes. So we did. And then um, it started to get heavier. So we went to the doctor on call who said, yeah, you need to go to A&E. So went into A&E, went straight up, got a scan and um, yeah, no heartbeat. Um, totally just, again, another huge thing, emotion to go through at such a young age to mm. just have all that taken away and it was really really hard because there wasn't the option of okay well we'll try again or we'll go again like I thought it was just taken away from me but then I thought well not straight away but down the line I thought god what if I can't have children will I ever get pregnant again why did that happen you know and it just was my life was going one way and then changed totally another way and um obviously we broke up then and things like that so it took me a long time to get over it a very very long time like 13 years and I could I'm trying to stop myself from crying talking about it now so it doesn't ever ever go away um I yeah so I'll try to get back to the physical side of it because the emotional side was just insane um so I had to yes yeah, so they sent me home then to kind of process it then come back in for a DNC so I came back in and um it was long it was painful I it I ended up staying the night it, it was very, very traumatic, very traumatic. And again, I didn't deal with it either. Started a new job, you know, at 19, you're in college, going out, having fun. Like everything was just gone then. And because my friends were so young as well, they hadn't gone through it. They didn't understand. I didn't have anybody to talk to, didn't have anybody to turn to. This is a long time ago before there was social media, before there was the internet, those kind of things. And um, yeah, that was my first pregnancy. But I'm very lucky that I didn't have that again but I lived in absolute terror and fear Mm. especially my first pregnancy after it was so stressful but um yeah that's a very long story cut short (laughs) thank you Jessica so I'll just give you a little um synopsis of my experience so I got pregnant seven months after I had Oliver and it was a surprise but a welcome one because we weren't not trying but we were just having fun and um I discovered I was pregnant and then I was out walking one day and I had really bad period cramps and I just thought it was oh implantation this is fine but it passed then I went and got a scan because you know when you have a niggle I went and got a scan saw the heartbeat but we couldn't hear the heartbeat so straight away so we could see it was like fine the heartbeat was fine but she couldn't get the the whatever the machine is called close enough to be able to hear the beat so I just we said that was fine we had Oliver with us we wanted it to be a really nice moment and then went home that was six weeks then went home and I still didn't feel pregnant this the symptoms just dropped off I went back to my GP and I was like I don't feel pregnant by a pregnancy test he's like no it's all fine you're fine then at 10 weeks I was out for a walk and I felt those pains again and I went home and I wiped and there was blood and I rang my husband I said oh I'm having a miscarriage and he's like what and you know you 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 have that fear when you wipe you see blood and it happens throughout your entire pregnancy so um 
he came home from work and I said, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to go to the hospital. And he was like, what? I need to come with you. And I was like, no, 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 I need to do this on my own. And I don't know why I wanted to, but I just did. It was just, just something that I had to do. So I went into the hospital and I, and I, um, she scanned me and I said, oh, there, there's no heartbeat there. Is there, well, I can't confirm or deny it. And I was like, but we can see that there's, there's nothing there. So I was told that, um, I might bleed or have a period, something like a period to pop a pad on. Um, but I did more than that. Like I passed the, the placenta, the baby, everything. I saw everything. And that's why that's what kind of that was the worst part of the whole thing for me was the physical side. Um, yeah. So, oh, my God, I'm even feeling a bit dodgy <laughs> speaking about it. But yeah, so that that was the worst. That was the worst few days. Um, and then I remember it was I remember I rang the hospital because I said, I can't I can't stand up because I'm losing so much blood every time I stand up. They said, well, are you filling a pad? And I said, I think I was, it was every 20 minutes. And I said, yeah, for about two days now. And they said, well, come back, come into us um, after a certain amount of time. And I was just so exhausted. I just lay in bed for three days till the worst of it passed. And then I remember I, I said, oh, fourth day, I'm finally going to go to Dunn's with my toddler. Went into Dunn's and my sister saw me and I was I was that color. She was like, what are you doing? Like, go home. I was like, no, no, I'm fine. Oliver's fine. But it wasn't. Obviously, my iron levels had dropped and I was just, uh, you know, the way you're just in denial, you just want to get back to normal. So, yeah, so that's that was my second pregnancy. And yeah, I was very lucky to get pregnant again with Eva, although petrified throughout the entire pregnancy. Um, but yeah, that was my experience. So I put up a little box I mentioned to you earlier, put up a little box during the week for the listeners and those of community Fatema on Instagram who want to wanted us to discuss certain aspects of miscarriage. And one of those was the physical side of things. So that's what I want to discuss now. I think that's something that we we're getting better at discussing, but I really want to discuss as a as a group as well. So what are the like the standout memories for you um, in terms of the physical side of your miscarriage Kira you made a really good point actually when you discussed when you mentioned your milk that's not it's not something that you would consider absolutely yeah it was just I had um seen like you know normally maybe from 20 if you lose a baby at lose a pregnancy at 20 weeks beyond your milk might come in but I really wasn't expecting it when I wasn't even through the first trimester so Mm. that was a physical shock to me but also, um, obviously, the miscarriage itself, like my, my first one was kind of strange because it was so slow. It was just like spotting for five, six days. And then I did start passing some tissue at home um, the day before my scan. And I suppose like, I like I have no problem talking. Like, I'm just brutally honest because I just what I really wanted was the brutal honest truth when it was happening to me. I was like, what am, what's it going to feel like? What am I going to mm. feel like? how do I make these decisions? But like, it's like an organ is falling out of your body. It's unbelievable. And the the amount of it, the amount of blood and you don't, you just, you know, it's, you don't know what's normal, what's not normal. And then the hospital side of things for me, once they gave me the drugs to speed it up, what I, I hate being in hospital. I just, it feels like prison to me. I hate it. I feel like you're, you're robbed of your identity. You're just a patient to most of the staff, not all, most of the staff. Um, that I had a scan the day before and the, the doctor, the consultant who did the scan, he was just so cold. You know what I mean? And there was another uh, female with him who was much more warm, but he was just so cold and clinical about it. And we need to keep you overnight. And I was like, overnight? What? Like, you know, like, can I not just take these drugs and go home? And 
he was like, no, there's too much products of pregnancy. You know, again, these terms, um, there's too high risk of you bleeding too much at home. So I, for me, I was in a room on my own for most of it. That another woman came in the next day going through pretty much the same thing as me. But, and obviously we COVID as well. So no visitors or anything. And I had to cross the corridor to go to the bathroom. There was no bathroom in my room. And you know how much you're bleeding. And I just, mm. I felt the indignity of that, like was really, really difficult. And I think on my first pregnancy, the most, most difficult thing for me was, because I just deal, I just get on with it. This is something I need to do. For some reason, there's a lesson. I, you know, this is happening to me for a reason was my attitude. But my win- midwife came in in the morning and she said, have you been on your own all night? Just miscarrying? And I was like, yeah, you know, like what else was going to happen? And she said, did anyone speak to you about um, the remains? And that's when I fell to pieces. I was like, no, nobody did. I flushed them down the toilet. Like, what was I supposed to do with them? And I went to pieces. I was like, why was this not discussed with me? Why? Like, I didn't even know that was an option. And maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, but it hadn't been said. And even if I'd known the night before, it's not an option. But like, for I suppose for most of you who went through that flush in the toilet, it's horrendous, like flushing your baby away is horrendous. So for me, that on my first mi- miscarriage, that was the hardest part of the physical side of it. The DNC was almost a relief, but I really didn't want to have a DNC. I felt so protective over my womb. I was like, I don't want anyone going near my womb. I don't want anyone scraping away in there. I just don't want it happening. But I was really lucky in that there is a consultant in the hospital I was in, I would trust it who was on call that day and she offered to do the procedure and I felt so much better. And that's where I think like bedside manner and the way you're spoken to is so important. And she treated me like a human. She treated me like a mother. She genuinely was sorry for what I was going through. Whereas if it had been the person who'd scanned me the day before, who was, I would have refused it. I would have mm-hmm. said, I don't, I don't want you doing that to me, but it was only because I felt like I could trust her and she was so reassuring um, that I did it but in that moment I really wanted to talk to someone who had a DNC I wanted to know that my womb would be fine and I could have more babies you know that I wasn't going to damage my womb by having that procedure and that I had no I in that moment I had no one to talk to that I could think of you know and you're handed a leaflet about miscarriages and the Miscarriage Association of Ireland's number is in there but it wasn't pointed out to me and I'm not in the frame of mind to sit there and read these leaflets I'm like shove that in my bag I'll read it when I go home you know, and I, if I'd known that number, I could have called them and just said, look, I've been offered a DNC, should I do it? And it was, for me, it was the right decision because it was physically then it was over. That whole week was so long and physically it was over and I could go home to my daughter and start healing. I could have taken more of the drugs and seen what happened, but it could have gone on for weeks and trying to manage a three-year-old at home. And, you know, it just wasn't an option you know it wasn't the right option for me and for some people that is the right option they'd rather do it naturally but for me the right option was I needed I needed to move on from it like if Mm. if that week felt so so long anyway that's me uh waffling now someone else no I'm sure actually um others can relate to just wanting it to be over once you found out that that was the case you just wanted it to be over Shauna do you have any um anything to say about the, the physical side of miscarriage yeah I think for me what was so shocking was how intense it can be even very early I only have experience of early miscarriage Mm. five and a half and six and a half weeks and what I found to be I think for me the most shocking was I was very much dismissed like it was just going to be a period because of how early it was 
And my experience was it was far and away from a period. It was nothing like any period I've ever had. And I had PCOS, so I've had fairly violent periods in my life. But <clears throat> when I experienced the bleeding, I didn't know what to do. I panicked and I went straight into A&E. And when I arrived at the reception, I, I suppose it was a little bit of a, an extra hoop to jump through because we arrived at a hospital in France. My French is, it's, it's, it's manageable for day-to-day -day life, but in a crisis, it goes out the window. But it was COVID times, they wouldn't let my husband in with me and no one spoke in English. So I was trying to communicate in my broken French and it was this, th that part of it, I found just, oh, you know, I was saying it in the crudest possible way because I couldn't find the proper words to express. Mm. Um, and the girl behind the desk was saying, well, madame, you're only a few weeks pregnant, go home. This is common, this happens all the time, just go home. And I was like, but no, you know, I might only be just a few weeks pregnant to you, but actually this child now has been named in our heads and it's had a whole mm. life within the, you know, the 10 days that we knew we were pregnant. You know, we, we showed a little fennel seed to my little boy and was like explaining, look, that's your little brother or sister. Like this child took on weight, you know, it took on a full personality almost. So for me, just being dismissed and told to go home that at this early, no one really wants to see me anyway. But then they kept me on because the, the fear that early with the, the blood, I guess they want to check to make sure that there's no sign of an atopic pregnancy. That was the first thing they did a scan. They couldn't see anything. So then their fear becomes it's a pregnancy of unknown location. So I had to stay on for the day. And the hardest part was I was just put into a waiting room full of pregnant women. And I had to spend my entire day, entire day there. And they were giving me paper cups to deposit products of pregnancy so I was going into the public toilet peeing into a cup then coming back out handing that cup to someone random in my broken French it was the whole experience it just was so it was so indignified it was it just felt so incredibly sad and the last thing I wanted to see was pregnant women it was like like I, I'm, I'm not going to be this like bitter forever but I just I can't look at them now I don't want to see them now you know so it was a very very intense and um, intense experience the first miscarriage, I peed in the dark. I didn't want to see anything. I closed my eyes. I didn't look when I wiped. I just, I rolled the tissue so huge that I wouldn't feel anything as well. Just the whole idea of, and then the guilt that came with that because it's like, oh God, it feels like I'm sickened from, from the baby that I really want, but I can't see it either. So it was a very strange mix of emotions. But the second miscarriage, I knew I wanted to avoid the hospital at all costs because it had been such a horrendous experience for me with the first one. So with the second miscarriage, it started in the same way. A discharge with pink staining, but very thick discharge with pink staining. Um, and again, around that time, if you Google, you hear about implantation bleeding, which seems mm. to be very the same. So the first miscarriage is like, oh, this is great. It's implanted. The second one, I was like, no, this has happened before. I think I know what's happening followed about six or seven hours later with very intense bleeding. But for the second miscarriage, it was so different emotionally and physically because I wanted to avoid the hospital and therefore I wanted to know what my body was losing. So I was examining what was what I was losing in the bathroom because if I was like, okay, if I say, see anything, you know, that, you know, too much bleeding or too much clots, you know, then I'm going to go into the hospital. Then I know I need to go. But for now, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to sit tight and let it happen at home. And at six and a half weeks, I, I didn't see anything that was recognizable, but I saw something that when I spoke to my doctor after was pretty certain it was the sack. So, and it was funny because it felt easier to let it go the second time. So it's like, okay, it's gone. Like it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's gone. 
the first time it was, I didn't know what was happening. I was in the dark. I was crying. I was screaming. I was making my husband, you know, uh, you know, stay close to me, but outside the door. The second time I was like, no, I, I know I just want to go in here. I know what has to happen. I'm just going to let it happen. So it felt so, I don't know, sterile for me the second time, which is, you know, that's sad by itself, but the blood tests were what confirmed it uh, for me because I was so early, you know, my HCG was only a 12 at six and a half weeks pregnant. And then 48 hours later, it was gone. There was zero trace of HCG in my blood. So clearly what had been happening was that the pregnancy just stopped at the sac, you know, the gestational sac just started and then it just, it stopped it, you know, it didn't stick. Um, so yeah, I think, yeah, the physical, not being, being told it would be a period. Mm. And then it actually being very far away from a period. I think doctors would be much better given women clear pictures of what this is going to look like because it's pretty terrifying if you've never gone through it before. It's it's pretty shocking. Even at oh, I very- completely agree. If if they were if there was just honesty there, like we've yeah. I we would rather that than the shock factor. Definitely. Claire, Claire, would you agree? Hi. Yeah, um, I, I would, though my I suppose um some of it some of it's bringing back memories there with the with the other lady stories and then a lot of it I'm unable to relate to in a in a way I suppose that's that's quite lucky um mine started off with we were at a car garage going buying a buying a new car and I had to go to the bathroom there and that's when I kind of had a fairly large blood loss or it was kind of it started off as brown staining actually the day before and then then I yeah kind of passed a lot in that that particular 10 minutes in that person's bathroom and then my funnily enough my sister is a my sister is a radiographer and she was working in a private clinic at the time but I hadn't actually told we were just going to tell my family the following day so I had to kind of ring her up I decided to ask her to scan me so I had to like ring her up and tell her oh by the way I'm pregnant she was so excited I was like what I have all these all these symptoms a lot of bleeding um so then we were between, you know, us all Googling and trying to be positive. We thought it's just spotting or heavy spotting. And you always find that one story on the internet that you're, that matches what you want to hear. So I was like, yeah, yeah maybe I'll be fine. And to be honest, myself, my husband and her skipped into the clinic and thought this would just be like actually a really great moment where it was all going to be fine. And um, yeah, so that was obviously difficult for her as well, having to deliver the news and, you know, kind of tell me that when she didn't even know 48 hours before that that I was expecting um so I had actually known it wasn't I had known I had had actually I had gone to the hospital that was it and they checked and told me that the cervix was still closed so it might all be fine she scanned me and and told me I suppose the the the, the news you know we, we we got a kind of nice look at them the monitor like in a nice way I suppose we had time to digest it and talk about it just the three of us and then headed home so when I went back into the hospital a few days later when they had asked me to come back I kind of got up on the bed knowing exactly what the answer was going to be so I'd say to them I seem very matter of fact or very kind of um you know the but the doctor was very nice and told me there was no um you know there, there, there was no heartbeat and it was a miss miscarriage around nine weeks so so I was kind of because I already knew that information I was like okay fine what do we do from here so they said let's wait two weeks and see if anything see what see what happens if your body gets rid of it naturally which would have been you know was my preferred route preferred option if I had I had a 
I suppose a choice I didn't really he was they said just go home and see so I'd had the odd day off work but mostly work from home but I find there actually wasn't much bleeding after that at all there was none um and I got acupuncture done twice to try and help that kind of encourage I, I thought I thought I wanted to miscarry at home, but a part of me was afraid. So I don't, you know, I'd say I possibly was subconsciously holding, but part of me wanted to not have the DNC. But anyway, I ended up going in having the DNC. And for me, I suppose it was because I had literally from from that one kind of major day of of heavy ble- of heavy bleeding and one or two clots, I actually didn't see anything else, which I suppose, you know, in hindsight, I'm I'm kind of grateful for like when Dan had the DNC, had such a positive experience in, in the hospital with everyone being incredibly um, compassionate and and really, really, I, I kind of couldn't, you know, 99% of people anyway, it was really, it was very, um, I thought they were all so, so nice. I had the DNC and kind of got home later that day and recovered from that. But I could kind of um, relate to to Fidelma's point about the day before the DNC. I was working from home again, just in case something happened. Um, but I actually did a job interview that day, the day before the DNC. And in the interview, she mentioned a second interview, which I wasn't expecting. And I was like, oh, no, <laughs> I didn't want to tell her why I wouldn't be available for a couple of days. So I said, well, maybe I could do a phone one. So it was the day after the DNC. Then I did the phone interview and and actually got the role, which which I've been in since and, and really love the job. So to me, that's my kind of little that's a little gift from mm. from the baby that I got anyway was you know, I kind of associate it with this, you know, with, with, with getting kind of the, the role I have. Um, so in terms of physical pain, I was, yeah, I was, I suppose, yeah, really, really lucky in, in, in that way of how things, of how things went for us. Thank you. So Fidelma or Jessica, do you want to share your opinion on the physical side of miscarriage? Uh, yeah. Um, so there wasn't much physical stuff for me really until um, I went into the hospital. So I went in at eight o'clock in the morning and unfortunately it was a really, really busy day. Um, so it was another 12 hours before they took me down to the theatre. But in the meantime, they'd um, given me tablets, on, inserted them into me to dilate my cervix to start to bring on the the miscarriage because it wasn't happening naturally. Um yeah, I was sent home. I wasn't really given the option. They just pretty much said to me, they didn't have even a leaflet left to give to me. They're like, this is how common it is. We don't even have a leaflet to give to you. They were really, really nice. But, you know, again, it was like, we're busy. You know, this is what's best for you. Uh, come back in a few days and we'll do the DNC. Like, so, yeah, I didn't really have a choice as such. Well, I suppose I did. But at the time, you just do what you're told when you don't know. And um, so, yeah, they gave me the the tablets and um, a lot of pain. Yeah, the cramps were incredible. The clots were horrific. Um, they wouldn't let me go to the bathroom. They wanted me to use a, comm- this is really physical. And uh, they wanted me to use a commode and a bedpan, which I really did find just so humiliating. And I was in a ward beside this woman who unfortunately, because the hospital was so busy, was in beside me she uh, broke her leg and she was in between a curtain and me in a curtain hearing what I was going through and I was so embarrassed because she was there in for like in the completely wrong ward from what I was going through there was a couple of matron style ones as well who weren't so nice a couple who were nice um but yeah the physical side was 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 really tough then eventually I got taken down to theatre and um 
when I came around then there was a lot of people in there actually and um one of the ladies said to me stands out was um oh how far are you gone and I was like 14 weeks and then another nurse popped up and said no no you weren't you weren't 14 weeks and I just remember lying there thinking why would you say that to somebody who just had a miscarriage like I know I wasn't 14 weeks that's why we're here like mm. you've seen what I didn't see I didn't need to know that I didn't need to hear that right now when I just came around from what just happened to me um then they brought me back down to the ward and just similar as well I was um stayed the night and all night was babies crying and it was just and I was all alone it was so horrendous so so horrendous and stayed with me forever for a long time um and then like I did I don't remember going home and being in much pain then really um physically I was fine kind of after the DNC and I'm kind of glad that it, I did do the DNC route um because I do hear horrible stories about the home side of it too but I think everybody is different as well I suppose like in that everyone's going to have felt what I felt or I'm not going to feel what somebody else might feel but mm. um yeah the physical side is 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 very hard and you're definitely not prepared for that at all because it's so emotionally exhausting as well yeah yeah thank you I think yeah the, the physical side definitely hits you first because you know you have to you have to just tackle that and then the emotional side of things starts to play out then the days following so Fidelma do you um, yeah, I guess um, a lot of similarities and um, to to the other ladies. So, you know, mine started as well with just spotting, which I kind of hoped in my deepest heart that it was just, you know, exactly the stories that you read on the Internet. I actually remember sitting in um, waiting to be scanned when I when they told me to come on in and it was the weekend. So it was all a bit, a bit messy and um, thinking, oh, but, you know, you hear about people who have twins and they lose one and they keep one. And, you know, maybe that's it. Maybe I'll still have a baby after all of this. And I got if somebody, uh, a locum at the weekend, scanned me and kind of said, mm, I'd expect it to be I'd expect the, you know, the, the uterus to be bigger at this point but I don't really know. You'll have to come back for another scan. I was like, okay, grand. So I came back on the Monday maybe or something for the scan. And they said, yeah, it didn't look good, but just go home and see, you need to come back in a week. You need to give it a week and um, see what happens. Um, so fine. I went to work on the Tuesday and the Wednesday and was kind of trying to plan. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And in work, I remember just being like, oh, yeah, maybe I'll be able to do that workshop. Maybe I won't. I might need to be in hospital. You know, I, I, I like literally just like the stupidity of it. Just like, why didn't I stay home? Um, um, and then in work on the, the Thursday morning, being in a lot of pain. And I took a Panadol and then decided that no, this wasn't going to cut it. And then I walked home. Like, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> I walked home kind of clutching myself periodically and went home and lay in my bed um, for the day. And um, yeah, the physicality of it, it felt to me, I couldn't compare it to anything other than saying it was like a mini labor. It felt like yeah. I was in labor yeah. again. Um, not the full, not obviously as strong, but there was nothing else to compare the level of contractions to. And I hadn't been given any kind of heads up. I was told to go home for the week and wait and maybe it'll happen. I was given no description of what this might be like, not, not that I can remember, you know, um, but because I remember being shocked by the physicality and by the amount of blood, like sitting on the toilet and it pouring out of me. Just it really, really shocked me. But for me, it was one intense day. So it was that day by that evening. I was able to get up and go get my son from crash and, you know, kind of do the normal thing. Now, the bleeding did continue for several days and it would come and go kind of because I remember getting caught out because my niece is christening on the Saturday and um, I bled through my pad or something in the car on the way. And luckily my skirt was rutched up, so I wasn't sitting on it. So I didn't have like a massive blood stain on the back of my <laughs> of my dress when, uh, when we got to the church and I sorted myself out and that was grand. But like, yeah, it obviously came and went like, some mm. intense bleeds and then it would ease off but I had to go back in but I just that one day for me it was one really bad day um and it just just kind of lying in the bed and, and yeah just dealing with it like you were in labor again um and then a scan the following week the week after whatever a week later and just I remember going in and crying and saying I just want this to be over and they said oh you know how is and I said I had a lot of bleeding and they said, oh, how do you feel? And I just started to cry and said, I just need it to be over. I need to know that that was it, that I don't need to go and do more. Or there isn't, you know, there isn't something left that I need to get a DNC or I need to do whatever. It just needs to be over. And I was very lucky it was. Um, but yeah, the, the, the sheer physicality of the process, it, it's, yeah, it's nothing, nothing like I'd ever, ever, it was led to believe might happen or, you know, had experience. It's not like, it's not like a period, no way. Even bad periods don't feel like that. Um, and then the other, the other thing that, yeah, and then my sister announced that she was pregnant the same week. And we would have had due dates about four, four days apart. 
so it was um that was that was really hard and um kind of managing the physical side of things while trying to manage the emotional blow that that was as well just uh, was yeah that was that was difficult as well but yeah it's um it's a messy process miscarriage in a way that you're not you're not told about i think actually um that brings us on nicely to speaking about the emotional side of things because that is a roller coaster in itself you're just for me how I felt was okay so that's done now so I've had a miscarriage so you just move on from these don't you that's what happens I had no idea that it would impact me as much as it does even to this day call it baby blue because I'm convinced it was a boy Um, I talk about baby blue all the time and we've had Eva since I always think about well if we had baby blue we wouldn't have Eva and then that upsets me so it just if it just it constantly affects you or I wonder um I think about all the different dates like Christmas I had to get a blue Christmas decoration I have blue crystals in the house just just things like that that I think um marking your miscarriage is definitely part of the whole emotional roller coaster as well or what was for me so how did you how did you guys feel afterwards in the the weeks and months and even now I know for you for Emma, for instance it's it's been a long time and Jessica as well but it's still very much very much there and you still very you feel it so how do you how did you deal with the emotions or how do you deal with it um, I'm, free to, I'm, yeah. I'm happy to um it I mean for me I mean because mine is, is a long time ago now but it, it it's the straight away dealing with it and, and the blow that my sister was also expecting mm. like obviously I was delighted for her but I was also devastated at the same time um and uh, and I don't think I was great when she told me when I think back on it I'm not sure I had quite the the reaction she would and she knew I just had a miscarriage so I suppose she was probably nervous telling me and then anyway I did my best um but yeah definitely for me like I said I had to get pregnant I had to get pregnant straight away like it just that was it and I was willing to pee on ovulation sticks for however long it took to find out where my body was ovulating again because it just I wasn't willing to just leave it to chance it had to happen and um, but it would what I found was it kind of um would ebb and flow I suppose you know you'd kind of be fine for a while and then you'd be just it would just kind of catch you unawares and you'd suddenly be really sad about it like when you're at inappropriate times like when you're out having a drink with friends in a bar or whatever you know and they're like oh god she's crying oh okay um you know and uh, and then when the due date came because mm. my my sister now I was pregnant again already by then um so and I was due gosh what are they apart there the um the kids are a month and a month and a half apart no two and a half months sorry apart so I was pregnant again you know uh, but still I found it really hard and and I suppose every year when you know when February rolls around I have a little reminder of a birthday party that we you know we should have been having one then as well and but the other thing I found um that was actually massively supportive is if you say it to people so many people have had it and so many people sympathize and so many people understand and you don't know that until you've had it because nobody mm. talks about it mm. and I thought that was actually um it was like a secret support society that you didn't know existed until you were a member of it did you feel um I don't know if anyone else felt it but did you feel that it was too much I felt like I was being dramatic by by thinking of all of those dates like I nearly didn't want to say to a friend or a family member oh well this date would have uh, baby blue would have been three months old four months old or I, yeah. I felt a bit like I was being really dramatic 
I I would have kind of kept it personal. I, I felt like, yeah, I, I don't know that people are ready to have that kind of conversation. Like even, mm. yeah, yeah, I am. So um, I don't, but I don't think it is dramatic. I think it's a massive yeah. in your life and you've got every right to market in the way that feels feels right for you. Mm. Um, so yeah, I don't think there's anything um, more than that. But I suppose I feel like the older generation perhaps wouldn't understand quite so well when I, my own mother was like, you were in the hospital, I hear. It's like, yeah, clearly that wasn't a positive visit to the hospital but there was very little kind of like you're just supposed to move on and that's how it is so it is great that there's a you know a, a kind of a, a better understanding I think of, of the emotional impact of it these days yeah yeah I find the dates the dates quite hard as well because ours was well it was this time last year March April and then it was the June bank holiday weekend that the miscarriage started so the month of June was obviously just such a shit month and it felt like went on forever with the waiting the two weeks and the coming back so it was really I kind of have the month of June in my head but I don't know if anyone else noticed aside from kind of there's a girl up the road who was born in the days that just after our DNC so kind of if I see her when I know well I know it's her birthday but you know you kind of think oh yeah that like she was born that week but as well I don't know if anyone else noticed when you were initially pregnant you were seen like online such and such a celebrity is pregnant so yeah. I kind of knew the celebrity that, that was like my dates or my month or whatever and I every so often you'll see you know the pictures of her out and about and it you know someone I don't know and it's not her fault but I'm always like oh yeah that would have been that would have been the we'd have a toddler now or you know uh yeah I do find that kind of I suppose it's something you, you, I think you just won't, you know, you won't forget it. And it's, you don't want to forget in a way, you know, because then they're, they're totally forgotten. Mm. It's very much there. It's constantly there. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's still even there for me, uh, like so far on. Um, but uh, I forget what I was going to say now is going into follow on. There's so many good points made by everybody. And I think we can all probably relate to, to them all. But um, yeah, um, it is definitely a secret group that you just don't realise until you've had it, what it is like. Because I remember wishing, I remember thinking when my friends were older and all this happens. I really, really hope it just doesn't happen to them. Mm. And unfortunately, I had a friend who had two in a row. And it's like, she, we just looked at each other then and it's just like, you have that understanding, that look in your eye when you, when someone does bring it up and it's happened to you. Because I've had so many conversations down through the years and um, you just have this understanding that a woman who hasn't had it doesn't understand. You, it's just that look of just, yeah, I recognise, like, I see you, I know what you've been through and what, and it, it's just something that you just don't ever forget and it's unfortunately something people just don't talk about and people don't understand so they don't have the level of sympathy that that it should be you know um because it never leaves you and it's it shouldn't you know it's part of you and it's great that things are changing for the better and um yeah I hope it continues that way one thing so, I found oh sorry yeah. Cora no no go ahead one thing I found really upsetting particularly for the first one because of I mean it was only a week in the difference but I already seemed to have been considered a bit of an upgrade because the second one happened at six and a half weeks versus five and a half weeks you can almost feel people's tone changing when they talk about it one thing I absolutely hate is the tar- term biochemical pregnancy which was what my five week five and a half week loss was 
So technically, because that pregnancy was never confirmed on a scan, typically you need three miscarriages in a row for anyone to give a hoot. That's how common it is, which is really shocking when you think about it. You know, it has to happen three times before doctors will investigate it or, you know, that's how common it's viewed. But a biochemical pregnancy, because it's not ever, you know, recognized or registered on a scan, isn't actually considered a medical miscarriage. So we would need to have another two for anyone to ask a question, which I find shocking. It's so dismissive of the first mm. one. So, I mean, I've never had a, you know, a later term miscarriage. So I, I, I can only imagine that, you know, when you see the heartbeat and things like that, of course, it's going to add extra levels of intensity. But on the other hand, sometimes I feel, but I never got that. I didn't even get that far. You know, I just had a stick to ever, you know, prove that there was going to be the start of something. And I think there's a real insensitivity when talking about very early loss, it's almost like it doesn't really count. And that I find very hard to, you know, like the image people have said, well, aren't you lucky you were only? It's like the fact that you're saying that means how, you know, it just demonstrates how unlucky we were. You know, it's not, it's not an exact science. It's, it's such a, it's such a complex conversation, actually. It's a very, very complex conversation. And what you're saying there actually about what people say brings me on to support. Mm -hmm. So support from not only the medical teams that we've all we've all met and been supported by and um, we've had good experiences bad experiences but support from our family and friends um which is so important so how did you find this I, I i had great support i found that maybe the topic people don't know how to address um miscarriage and even when i when i now think about my miscarriage and refer to the baby's baby blue and i talk about it all the time i now my family are starting to or my my friends and family they recognize it so that shows that shows a, a level of support to me so how have you how has support been for you or what could you what could and also what could you recommend um because that was another question that actually the was posed on the in, instagram box was people wanted to know how to support a friend or a family member who's gone through or going through miscarriage um i can hop in for a sec um yeah I think it, it is a difficult one. And I think one of the things for me that I found difficult was telling people, even though I'm so open about talking about it, but how do you first tell someone? Like you meet someone, and obviously at the moment we're not meeting as much because of COVID, but I remember meeting a few friends for a walk shortly after and a couple of them knew and some of them didn't know. And you know, you're like, what do you say when they go any news? Oh yeah, I had a miscarriage. What's the crack with you? Do you know, like it's so hard to, to get those words out initially, you know? So that, that bit was really hard. And then, yeah, people don't know what to say. People don't know what to do. I found a lot of people just do nothing. You just don't hear from them. You know, they've, they've found out that you've, got a, you've had a miscarriage. You don't get sympathy cards. You get sweet, like all, basically. Mm. I did on my second, second miscarriage, um, my friend sent me a massive bunch of flowers. And that, it meant so much, like just that it was acknowledged that I was grieving, that I'm here, I'm home, I'm grieving. I've had no funeral. These, I have had two babies who are no longer here, but they were here. And like you say, the minute you get that pregnancy test, you picture them in your mind, you've named them, you can picture them playing with their siblings, with Sosie. And, you know, you're, you're planning this, your, li your new life as a bigger family from the very get-go. And so many people just don't acknowledge it. So what I would say is acknowledge it, send a card, send some flowers. Another friend on my first miscarriage sent me... Um, like a, just a kind of pamper pack, you know, with some like bath stuff. And again, it, the thought just meant so much. It wasn't what she sent. It was the thought behind mm. it. Another friend, a girl I'd worked with years ago, 
sent me a little star and it's one of like I get emotional talking about it. it's one of the most precious things we have because we've no memories and it's just it says baby Roberts on it and on the back it has a lovely poem and it was those kind of sentiments even though I'm getting emotional but they're the ones that made me feel seen do you know what I mean and you know made me feel like people actually care whereas there was a lot of a lot of people just like that it's dismissive like what you're saying Shauna when you're you've an early loss it's just this dismissiveness that that it happened at all you know and you grieve like you'd grieve for any loss like you are in the grieving process and some people just expect you to to just be go on as normal and like the girls are talking about interviews and jobs and things like that I work for myself so you're straight back to work again there's there's no support in society for women when they they lose babies you know if you work for yourself there's no leave you can take mm. you either close your business down or you get on with it so I got on with it but I would highly recommend to anyone if you're in any kind of paid employment take all the time off you can get again physically back to the physically I was exhausted and I think partly that's emotion like emotionally whenever I'm struggling with my emotions I sleep I sleep them away but it was both it was trying to just cope and it was physically on both of them I was more tired than I was when I gave birth mm. I don't know what it's your hormones are all over the shop your body doesn't know if it's coming or going so sleep and I would what I would say is acknowledge the loss like you would any other loss like if, if you lost a parent if you lost you know anyone in your family it's the very same level of grief for you as a mom for the dad as well and dads forget about it they're totally forgotten um anyway so that's my experience of support and I suppose I felt very unsupported um in my not so much for my friends because my close friends are great but for my family and I think from society um as well like you know that really brought it home to me in the hospital there was next to very very minimal I got a one phone call a follow-up phone call afterwards but you know there's not a lot that's really interesting that you say that. I don't know if anyone else is like this. I didn't I didn't want anyone. I didn't want to speak to anyone. It's like I didn't I didn't recognize it myself. Yeah, no, I didn't. You're right, Cora. I didn't initially, but I think, you know, you need people to try. Do you know you yeah. need yeah, yeah. You, you need to know people are reaching out. And even if you don't answer the phone or sometimes some people would send you a message going, you know, are you all right? And I go, Yeah, I'm grand, but I'm not up for talking. But it's mm. the fact that they reached out when so many people just didn't. Do you know mm. what I mean? It's more that people just didn't. And I know it's because they don't know what to say. But yeah. you say the same as you do for any loss. I'm sorry. Mm. You know, are you okay? Do you want to go for a walk? Do you know, that's all you have to say. It's, and small it's really, things like cards, they just go such a long way. I, lo I love receiving a long cards. Way. Yeah. Such a long way. Massive. Yeah. yeah. I suppose even if you can't say sorry, you don't know what to say. Just a card with... with cost a coffee voucher and it's something something just Anything. just a nod yeah. to to what's that's what's it you, you, yeah it was absolutely, absolutely you just want to feel seen yeah that's yeah, it exactly. it was a gorgeous little token we were given actually from the mother of my friend and it was she had a little tree planted for us and it was just the most gorgeous little gesture it was so simple and it was you know even with the card it was just like we're thinking of you mm. it is a tricky conversation and you know like angry not as I get about some of the comments I've received I probably said things like that myself prior to my miscarriage just because it is such an yeah. it's a landmine and you don't know some people really want to talk about it some people as you say Corey just want to close the door and grieve privately so it isn't you know it's a bit of a minefield but yeah, I'm thinking of you if you need anything I'm here it's just really simple things and one other little like 
I haven't had my due dates yet so I've that to face yet but for example one of my friends was like look when the due date comes around we're going to go out for dinner and a few drinks and we're going to you know we're going to have a chat about it and I just thought it was lovely it's it's you know we're not going to sit all night crying there might be a few tears but it was more the you know you guys don't need to be alone going through this I will remember when you know when that child or those kids would have been born and just little tiny acknowledgements they mean the world they really really do so then I suppose what what you could say so what you need to say to someone I know we were saying I'm sorry or but what do you say if if you if you really struggle I would struggle as you said Shauna like that's not something that's not my forte I, I would just probably say the wrong thing you know I actually bumped into a friend in Aldi when I was 20 weeks pregnant with Eva and I felt so bad afterwards she told me she had a miscarriage and I was standing there with a bump and I was like like and I hadn't told her I was pregnant yet and I just I didn't know didn't know what to say I was just completely mute so what 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 could you say to a friend when I'll jump in then <laughs> um because it happened to me it happened to friends too um it's it's not even what you say it's just letting them talk and letting them you know say their experience and just saying you know saying that it's going to be okay and j- just to not not say anything somebody just to not say anything or like that if you bring it up and somebody else does shut it down sorry Cora it does um and you do sometimes even I find that if someone brings it up some things like it is hard to discuss topics that you're not comfortable with like but to to not say anything to somebody that's in your life is just it's something that you don't forget because I had that I had both sides I had a lot of support a lot of help um nice things said I had some awful things said some nothing said um and you know it really really hurts and you don't forget you don't forget the people who were there for you and who you weren't and you'd be surprised the people that do and the people that don't um I had great support from my family as well, of course. Um, and it was actually my Nana. Um, the older generation actually did come through this one time. Um, so I was the first grandchild to be pregnant. But then there was another one then a few years later that they, they had a baby. And she just put her hand on, on mine and just said, and we didn't forget about you. And it just meant so much. Like it meant the world to me to think, you know, they could see and understood in their own way that and that and how thought of me of somebody else being pregnant or how I would feel you know so um the worst even if you say the wrong like well not the wrong wrong thing but like you know even if you're afraid of saying the wrong thing say something it's better than saying nothing you know um just you know say I love you I'm 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 here for you all the time and like that little gestures the little things like that can say more you know, even I sent my friends um, like a little poems that I found helpful and comforting, you know, um, and little things like that, I think can, can just really, really help somebody when they need it and just acknowledge your hurt. Yeah. So support, as I, as I said, from, from medical team, friends and family, but from work, did you have any support in work? I know, Kira, you're saying you're self-employed, so it's, it's yeah, it's tough. You kind of have... No, no option really but to to keep going <laughs> but did anyone else have support and work I I was going to actually say when some, somebody mentioned their societal support that like I think like maybe I would have had support and work if I felt like I could have told them mm. but you know I said it a while later I think maybe like 
during my annual review or something ridiculous like that when you know that period came up and I was like actually I had miscarriage and yeah I was pretty devastated and you know so maybe that's why I was a bit detached from work at that point and kind of was like oh right okay but I remember having that like thought in my head should I say something should I tell him that this is why I'm not in or not on the ball or why I keep taking these days off you know and like what I you know what really should have happened is that I should have just been signed off work but I didn't think to ask for it and nobody said you should take a week off work now you know no medical professional that I was anywhere near said that um just take the week off like work will survive go home mind yourself mind your baby you know your your family and and take some time to grieve but nobody said that so like you know I'm, I'm sure it depends on the work place and the relationships you have with with um the people in it but if there was kind of a better setup where you felt like you know this was the appropriate thing to do um was to take some time and do that then yeah it would definitely make life a bit easier anyone else have anything to say about work no so will we move on to your relationship after a miscarriage how did it impact your relationship at all? I, I found that even I was texting Sean when he was in the house because I couldn't actually say what I was feeling. So I was sending him messages from my bed saying this is I need this and I need that. Not in terms of what I needed him to bring me up to bed, but just in how I was feeling because I because I couldn't speak about it. Um, and then it wasn't until months later that I, I actually kind of let him in a little bit more like he was going through not physically but he was going through this as well he had also lost a baby so uh just ha- how were your relationships how were the the weeks and months for you guys as as couples after the loss of a baby um yeah Court, I think I could kind of we put we were I felt for us anyway we were just so kind of wrecked by the end of that month you know just from everything emotionally drained that in some ways you wanted that when we kind of got the DNC done and and I felt recovered you nearly want not want to forget about it but just briefly kind of just feel normal again you know be concerned of what's on Netflix or whatever do you know just to kind of not have it kind of constantly running in running in your head so for that for that reason we kind of I kind of said, look, you know, we'll take the summer. While part of me did crave being pregnant, I kind of knew it was the right thing for for me, for us to have a break. So I was like, you know, let's just kind of not think about it. Like in some ways it helped us not talking about it because I felt I had had friends text me, you know, how are you Mm -hmm. feeling today that I had kind of, you know, I I had that fit sorted. And I think for us anyway, I'd say Dermot's not, got over it sooner than me but you know I think they do kind of forget or move like move on a bit quicker so for us we probably didn't need to talk about it a huge amount kind of at that time it was nearly like a welcome break to be talking and thinking about different things and kind of more normal everyday everyday things um and then it was well for me it was when when I got pregnant again I kind of had I knew it was going to happen anyway I, I thought like I was I don't say over it, but I was okay with it to a large extent during that summer. But I knew that as soon as I got pregnant again, it would bring everything up. Yeah. But I was, that's just the way I am. And I will deal with it then. So it was kind of as soon as I got pregnant the next time that, that December. So kind of six months later, um, yeah, five, six months later. Um, and then that's when the anxiety got sky high. And I think I just like, he, he was really, he was good about it. But at the same time, I think I was, yeah I was probably 
kept it all internalized a lot anyway and and I think as I spoke to you before core like the anxiety just got reached like ridiculous levels it was just I was so afraid of it happening again and, and things like that but um sorry I've kind of digressed now but I find that we, yeah we probably didn't talk about it a whole lot but that actually suited both of us just our style I found, yeah I found for for us the first again the first one was a big shock for both of us because again similarly my husband had heard the statistics of miscarriage but they didn't really mean a great deal um and the first one we talked it through a lot we spent a lot of time crying together talking about it together um the second one was very much like okay this is something terrible can't believe this has happened to us again we're the one in four and now we're the two percent recurrent you know we just started thinking thinking of ourselves and statistics it was like okay this is terrible that this has happened again but very similar to what Claire said we just didn't want to feel like the couple that have had a miscarriage we just wanted to feel normal we wanted people to text us about other things as well you know like I now I'm at the stage now where I almost don't want anyone and you really don't want to bring it up because I don't want people to be like, God, we can't tell Shauna we've news about being pregnant or no one mentioned babies in front of mm. Shauna. I just want to be Shauna again. I don't want to be Shauna that's had two miscarriages. You know, I, I'm in that, that space now. But we were very fortunate that we've been on the same page all along. We said if it happened to us again, we'd kind of just accept that we're a family of three and we'd be really happy. We've one very healthy, lovely little boy. God, it's really highlighted that, you know, there are couples out there that this happens to multiple times and, you know, there's no baby at the end. And you always, I think for us anyway, it made us just regroup and be like, we're really lucky we have our little boy. So we're kind of coming out now to a nice, you know, a nice phase where like, you know, we're the three amigos where, you know, we're stuck together with this little family and that's really nice too. But I think communication is key, especially with lads, because they don't always say what they're feeling. So I think you know if you start pulling it you'll be surprised just how much it could be in there that they actually need to talk about and want to talk about but we yeah we're, we're good like that we talked it through really early on and and now it does feel like we're kind of coming out of the fog a little bit okay well is there any anything else that you would like the listeners to hear who have either experienced miscarriage and want to feel connected by what we're discussing or others who want to listen purely to educate themselves is there anything else that you'd like them to hear I might just mention on the, the DNC because it kind of came into my head after we talked about it, um, yeah. just what it's like afterwards, because again, that's something I didn't know um, anything about. And I suppose the thing is afterwards, like you feel, mostly you feel fine. You're only going to bleed a really small amount. It's really kind of gentle and light. And it, it feels like it's probably going to be something that's really invasive and it actually ends up not being that. Now, I was awake from my DNC, which I was really relieved about. And a lot of people would think, oh, God, nightmare. Like, but I was relieved because I knew I'd be able to hear everything that was being said. I knew nothing would be done without my consent. And it, it was really quick, the DNC. It was really over very quickly. Obviously, I found it really emotional when I was being wheeled down, when they were setting me up for the DNC. I found that really, really, that part of it really emotional. But the recovery from the DNC is is grand like you, you nearly you nearly feel physically back to normal now I was still really tired but um physically I felt fine but one thing I wasn't told and again hopefully I was an anomaly was because I'd you know whatever you'd had like the spinal tap um I had my DNC kind of in the morning and then I was let home that afternoon but I wasn't told that my bladder might not give me cues to go to the toilet 
So I drank about four or five cups of tea in the hospital, drinking water, went home, drank three gallons of tea and I'm crippled. Like I can't walk. I'm trying to go up the stairs and I'm crawling. I'm like, I can't sit down. And it suddenly dawns on me. I haven't been to the bathroom all day. And I don't know how much longer um, my bladder would have survived that. But I managed to like literally crawl nearly to the bathroom, got up onto the toilet. And it was the, I, I didn't physically know you could have that much wee inside you. Like I peed forever, it felt like. And again, I was like, I was furious that no one had told me this because I'm at home thinking something's wrong. But as soon as I'd emptied my bladder, I like I could have skipped around the house. Do you know, I felt grand physically. So I just felt like if you're not told that your bladder might give you the cue, my bladder was working. It just needed me to kind of go, you know, give it a push. And then the other thing that I just finding personally hard and I did find is every negative pregnancy test afterwards. If you're someone who's like, I want to be pregnant now, those negative pregnancy tests are really difficult emotionally. So when you're trying again, I suppose it's just to be aware that that might be hard, those negative, every month that goes by is the two babies we didn't have. And, and if, you know, and every month that goes by, I'm like, are we ever gonna have another baby? Do you know what I mean? And that for me is hard because we're both 42 and I'm like, is my last time being pregnant gonna be a miscarriage or two <laughs> miscarriages? So that, that for me is hard, but like Shauna said, I'm ever so grateful for a daughter and how easy it was to have her. And it doesn't diminish my losses in any way or how much I miss the two babies I don't have. But I am absolutely grateful that I have her. And I'm very grateful that, you know, it was like, I think a miscarriage before having a baby, as you said, emotionally, I think it would be a lot harder, you know, because you have that fear then, will I ever, will I ever mm. have a baby? And I know people like that have been through six, seven miscarriages and, you know, some of them have gone on to have babies, others, others haven't, you know, and like that, that is incredibly tough. So I feel very, very lucky that we didn't have to go through that, but also unlucky, as Shauna said, but also unlucky, you know, um, and something that I think it was Jessica or Claire, one of you touched on was when you were in the hospital and it was Jessica saying, I hope none of my friends have to go through this. And again, I just, I really felt that really strongly. And it's one of the reasons why I, I am so open about it because I just think no one should feel that alone. I felt really alone in the hospital. Obviously, COVID was happening. I just felt so alone. I knew people who'd had miscarriages, but they were like ex-colleagues. You know, nobody I felt I could pick up the phone to and go, I'm having a miscarriage. What's it going to feel like? So if anyone who knows me, if you find yourself in that position and you want to talk to someone, just pick up the phone and I will absolutely talk you through everything that I went through and as brutally honest because that's what I wanted brutal honesty um testing and seeing negative tests is oh, a really so good hard. point but all and the other side of it is after you have a miscarriage I tested for weeks yeah waiting and then when I saw that negative test not knowing that all the hate that that, that it was gone like the, and or yeah. your first period after a miscarriage yeah that's really really final that's that that for me was definitely tough but it, it can be rough as well your first period it mightn't be like a, yeah. a period period it might be a tough period as well and my the one after the dnc wasn't but the one when i miscarried at home that period after that was quite rough as well you know so like there's so much like you could talk about this there's so much and like you know you can't cover it all in one podcast there's just so much to to miscarriage and the few women that are here every one of our experiences is completely unique you know what everyone who has a miscarriage it will be unique to anyone you can talk to but like talking definitely talking to people who know what you've been through and like um I think you both said earlier um 
you know, you sure you put, you've put your foot in it in the past with people. And I'm sure I will in the, in again, in the future, you know, you just, you, you get, you get so shocked when someone says it to you and you want to yeah. say the right thing so much that you end up saying the, you know, you end up blubbering like, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, I just think it's important to, to say something instead of nothing, you know, not avoid people who've had a miscarriage, you know, you're completely right. For me, it was the shock factor. I just, I just mm. didn't know what what to say. And then I felt, I felt really conscious of my bump. Yeah, you, know, you would, some, and of yeah. course you would. And of course, and I'm sure people who would get pregnant, and then you know, like I'm not unhappy for people who find out they're pregnant. But mm. it definitely you go, you kind of go, oh, will it ever be me? You know, and you feel, you almost feel that guilt, like of, you know, are you as happy as you should be for them? And obviously you are, but like there, obviously there's a bit of you that goes. Mm ouch you know ouch I actually think that's really interesting because one thing that I'm really scared of now is that if good friends of mine if one of my good friends was to discover they were pregnant I think having a miscarriage you already feel so alienated I would hate though someone's like oh Jesus you can't tell Shauna she she won't be able for that and I think sometimes people with the best intention are like oh no you know we better not you know she might be she might not be ready to hear that Mm -hmm. I think sometimes people need to remember that you can be devastated for yourself and delighted for them. They're not mutually exclusive feelings, you know? So if a friend is pregnant, it's like, uh, at least this would be my sentiment. I would hate them not to tell me. I would love them to share their news. And while I can cry, they can celebrate. But it's when I think people put you into this little box and think, oh Jesus, you can't say anything to Shauna now. She's too fragile. And that's my fear is that I'll be seen as the fragile friend who you know you can't talk about babies in front of so I really I really hope that's not the case and one closing remark I suppose I might make is just that I think it's like that if I would remind someone that I I think it was mentioned earlier that it's the same you know it's the same as any type of grief that but as a reminder that everyone will process it differently so it's okay if you're upset for like a really long time which might seem like too long to be upset or it's okay if like in our case I felt I wasn't upset for that long after at the time but I knew it would it would all come up in the next in the next pregnancy which I was hope, really hoping we'd have and we did and that's exactly what happened it came up the anxiety was off the charts uh, but then at 16 weeks when I realized this is just not going away by itself the kind of constant anxiety fear you know going to the toilet the wiping thinking something was happening you know bad was happening that wasn't and then I just reached out and spoke to um, a lady and did trauma release work around around the miscarriage. And, you know, really, it changed everything. And I really enjoyed the, the rest of the pregnancy. But, yeah, I think it's just a reminder that you're never doing it. You're never doing it wrong. However, it's, however it goes for you, you know, and just kind of have, have confidence in that and that you will you'll get through the other side of it yourself, you know, yourself on on your pattern and, you know, how, how, how you do it. Yeah, thank you. That's a really good point. And I'm Sarah Tobin, who I'm a huge fan of now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she's bad. I, yeah. I had two sessions that time, but one was actually unrelated to pregnancy. So I kind of had one in second trimester. I had one right before I gave birth with all my birth fears. And then I had one after to release any remaining kind of trauma because I ended up having a severe postpartum hemorrhage. And yeah, couldn't recommend her more. Yeah, and I can't yeah. wait again after all of that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, it all works out. Thank you, ladies. Can I jump in, Cora? Of course you can. Uh, just one thing I want to say as well is the guilt. 
because you immediately blame yourself and you think of what you've done wrong and what you could have done. You go through, you nitpick through everything and you feel, you know, so responsible. And mm. I even hate the word miscarriage because it's like mm. you miscarried. The woman was wrong. Like early pregnancy loss is so much better. So I just feel like it's such a harsh word. Um, but yeah, like it's it's never, ever, ever your fault, no matter what the circumstances, no matter what happened, you know, um, if you didn't know you were pregnant and you were drinking or you're whatever happened and you found out later and it still went wrong, things like that. Um, you know, it's never ever, you know, the guilt is is not right, you know, so it's never anybody's fault. And I'm sure you can all uh, relate to it. like when I think of miscarriage or early pregnancy loss, which is what I prefer as well. Um, like I lost a baby. I don't know if if like that's how that's honestly how I feel. And I know some some people don't necessarily see it that way but that that's how I feel don't know if you guys do too thank you so much I really appreciate that and appreciate your honesty and if you feel like there's another conversation there then we can we can have feedback after this conversation and pull together in a couple of months um, Mm -hmm. and have another one if if see how we are then or maybe include some other people there was other people included but they just Actually, when it came down to it, they just weren't able at the moment or weren't ready at the moment to have the conversation, mm. which is completely yeah. understandable. Oh, God. So yeah. thank you. So yeah. thank you so much. I feel like I'm getting emotional for some stupid reason. <laughs> you're you're well, all amazing. For... <laughs> yeah, likewise. Likewise, girl. Yeah, so, thank you for it and for all the work you're doing. It's really, it's fab on, on yeah. all your... Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> don't be mad. <laughs> no, it's amazing work. And I don't know how you're doing it with two kids either. Because... Yeah. <laughs> I can't. Oh, no, I know it's a pleasure. I feel very, uh, I feel privileged to to hear the stories that I do in in such detail as well. That you trust me with your stories, so thank you for sharing. Okay, enough. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Okay, go to bed and thank you so you much. All, yeah, yeah, you Thanks, too, girl. You girl. Lovely to meet you all. Bye. 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 Thanks. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to share your story, you're more than welcome to. You can get in touch via Instagram at Ireland's Birth Stories or you can reach out over the website irelandsbirthstories.ie. I look forward to bringing you another episode. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.